Hello and welcome everyone to Conversations in Digital Learning, a podcast produced by the Digital Learning Collaborative, or more commonly known as the DLC. The DLC is a membership group dedicated to exploring, producing, and disseminating data, information, news, and best practices in digital learning. My name is Katherine Kennedy, and I'm your host for today's show. Before we get started, I'd like to share a quick disclaimer. We invite a variety of guests to join our podcasts. Their views are not necessarily representative of the Digital Learning Collaborative or its members. In December 2019, the DLC released a study focused on e-learning days, featuring a scan of policy as well as practice-based guidance. We're here today to discuss the report's findings with John Watson, who was one of several researchers on the study. So let's start out by talking about why you chose to do a report on e-learning days in the first place. We decided to do an e-learning days report because over the last several months, uh, going back to the early part of 2019, we were seeing more news reports uh, talking about e-learning days, which would be characterized as online snow days or using other terms. Uh, But they were basically describing situations where a school district was closed most often for inclement weather, but sometimes for other reasons that we can get into. And they were able to continue instruction by using online tools and resources and communications. It felt to us like this was something that's gaining some momentum. And to our knowledge, nobody had looked at it closely at all. And so we felt like it was a good role for the Digital Learning Collaborative to take a look at exactly what's going on with these e-learning days. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of the information that we see on social media coming up, as well as in the media itself, there's more and more organizations and programs and schools that are doing this. So when you think about e-learning days and the policy that's around it, was there a certain definition that was used as the foundation for this report? And if so, what was that? For this particular report, we characterize e-learning days as having a handful of components. First of all, they are planned by the school district as a method of continuing instruction across district schools while the schools are closed. Those closures might be unplanned, like I referenced earlier, the most common use cases, storms, and especially snowstorms. They very often get called online snow days. But we also see some districts using them for planned days when schools are closed, like professional learning days for teachers when they want to continue instruction for students. It's also a requirement for our characterization that these e-learning days are sanctioned by the state to count towards attendance and instructional requirements, like total numbers of hours of instruction across the school year. And then just to clarify, We did see some examples of districts that might have policies or programs for instruction to take place online outside of school, and certainly these exist in lots of states, but we didn't include them in this study unless they counted towards attendance and instruction and unless they were being used across an entire district or at least most of a district in these cases of school closures. I also want to note that 
although we're calling these e-learning days, and the most common mode of sharing instructional materials and communications is online, there are certainly some policies that we talk about in the report that allow for instruction with textbooks and other paper materials. So in the research that you conducted, how many states are actually implementing this at a policy level? We identified 12 states that have an explicit policy and or guidance allowing districts to use e-learning days to count towards attendance. And an additional four states in which we found at least one district that's using something that may be a little less formal or at least a little less targeted and to specifically calling what they're doing an e-learning day. They may be using a state waiver or some other policy to implement something that looks very much like an e-learning day. It's also important to note that states use all sorts of different terms. For example, Pennsylvania uses the term flexible instruction days. So there's a variety of different terms that get used. It's interesting. The states that we found tend to be heavily in the upper Midwest. I think that probably points to the idea that the starting point for a lot of these policies is around snow days. And sometimes we see policies explicitly coming out of a year where there were a lot of snow days and perhaps they went above and beyond how many snow days they had planned. So there's this whole line of states around the Great Lakes, with the exception of Michigan, that have these policies, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania. We also see New Hampshire and Massachusetts as other examples. The states that where we found some activity, uh, even though they don't have a formal e-learning day policy, are Nebraska, Alabama, Georgia, and Virginia. I'll also note that in some of these states, the fact that these policies exist is really well known and has gotten a lot of media attention. In other states, including my own home state of Colorado, Colorado has an e-learning day policy, but it's not very well known uh, at all. And it wasn't just our Colorado-based researchers who weren't familiar with the Colorado policy before we started digging. Uh, We asked around, and, and quite a few people weren't familiar with it. And then we found that there is Colorado Department of Education guidance on an e-learning day policy. So there's different levels of understanding and knowledge that these policies exist. When it comes to the states that do have policy, were there any things that really stood out to you in terms of what were similar across the states, but then also those differences that some states had versus others? I would say the single biggest difference is the extent to which the State Department of Education is providing information and resources to help districts that may be implementing e-learning days. We wrote up short profiles of a handful of states, certainly not all of them, but a handful of states that have e-learning day policy and some sort of guidance. So, for instance, in Illinois, the State Board of Education published some information about what districts are doing to implement e-learning days. They highlight and we include a district in Illinois that's published what they call 10 tips for implementing e-learning. And it's really interesting to see that there's a lot of different 
approaches, certainly with a lot of commonalities, but there's a lot of districts in these states that are figuring out their own approaches, their own methods, and some of them have been quite proactive about publishing that. Indiana, another good example of the state education agency having an e-learning day program webpage. They have some sample lessons on a digital content page. They have posted a webinar about how you help teachers get ready. They've given guidance for students with disabilities, which is a really interesting topic that I hope we can get back to before the end of this discussion. A couple of other prominent states, Minnesota links to, and we've got these in the report as well as links on the state education website to a couple of districts that have guidance. Pennsylvania has a very similar approach. In South Carolina, they include an evaluation report about some districts piloting e-learning days. That's a really valuable resource as well. That's not to say that the states that I haven't mentioned don't also have some valuable resources, but they're not all at the same level in terms of what they're providing. Part of that is perhaps just the maturity of some of these policies and programs. And some of them is is just around the the level of effort that the state education agency is putting in. As we know, as educators, I think one of the things that I think about when it comes to putting policies into practice, we would hope that everything works out really swimmingly, but as we know, doesn't always happen. When you were looking across each of these states that you were digging into for more information and also talking to the various districts that you were in contact with for the research process, what were those big key issues that those states and those programs that are already doing this really want to convey to those who are just starting out in order for them not to make the same mistakes? I'll start this answer with an observation that I take from the blogger Rick Hess, who writes for Education Week and and other places. I don't know if this was originally his idea, but I saw it from him first. He wrote, a policy can compel or allow somebody to do something, but they certainly can't compel somebody to do something well. And in this case, I I think this idea really applies. The e-learning days policies aren't compelling districts to provide e-learning days, but they are allowing them to do so. The question is, does that lead to schools and districts implementing e-learning days well? And I think there are absolutely some good examples, but the jury is still out about how many of these days are truly being implemented well. There are a seemingly endless number of issues that a school district needs to think about before implementing e-learning days. And I would say a lot of our podcast listeners come from online and blended and hybrid schools, and they're familiar with some of these ideas. The fact that once you go down this path, you have to touch on so many different issues. You can't really treat technology as a separate thing. It's not always the case that the folks who haven't thought about online learning really, I think, fully understand that, although I think there's growing awareness. I think the starting point for a district thinking about implementing e-learning days is around setting goals and expectations and communicating those with both students and parents, just around fairly basic ideas, things like 
If you have an e-learning day, are all students expected to be online at a certain time? Are you trying to do some live lessons, some synchronous lessons? Or are they expected to be online at any time of day? Are they expected to be online for a certain number of hours in that day? Some of that may be determined by the state regulations. Some of it may not be required by the state regulations. There's a lot of issues around what's the maximum number of days a district might expect to implement e-learning days. It's certainly different if you're trying to extend instruction across one day versus a full week, let's say. Also, what's the level of advance notice that a district expects to give? In a lot of cases, as we all know, a snow day can be called on very short notice. Would an e-learning day also be called on short notice, or is it something more like having an e-learning day might allow the district to plan it a day or two ahead of time when a storm appears to be coming in, as opposed to waiting till just the night before or even that morning to call an e-learning day? So that starting point around all these very basic goals and expectations is so critically important. Yeah, I think the preparation for these is so great that just the implementation itself is not going to suffice. I know, having done a little bit of the research as well, that a lot of these programs were offering pilots ahead of time so that students and their parents and the teachers and the other educators that support those students were going to be able to really be ready when the actual day is called. That need for preparation is so critical for teachers, and I'll touch on that in a moment. It's also really critical for students. I think one of the main myths about online learning and the use of technology in education is that young students today are so comfortable with technology, it's just no big deal for them to be learning on tablets, laptops, et cetera, maybe even smartphones. And I think the evidence just shows that that's not true at all. Students knowing how to use devices to watch cat videos or whatever they may be watching is a far cry from actually learning something using online materials. And so you really have to set expectations for students about what they're doing and how they're doing it. And the starting point for a particular district can be so different. If you've got a district that is already using, let's say, a learning management system and may already be using a lot of devices across the district, that's a very, very different situation in terms of shifting that level of activity that may already be happening with devices and a learning management system and having some of that activity happening at home versus the school where it's already happening. If you don't already have those things in place, it's far, far more difficult to put that in place. Related to that is... If you have teachers who have never taught online, even if they're using some online content in which they may be using in a classroom, if they're not accustomed to the types of communications that happen with students online, whether they're synchronous or asynchronous, you can't expect them to just seamlessly shift into digital instruction. And that is true no matter how good the teacher is in the physical classroom. So there's a really significant level of teacher professional learning and preparation that needs to happen. The other thing that's tied to this as well is you've got a whole level of parent or guardian expectations and training 
as well. You really have to make sure that the entire community is aware that these days are going to happen. And it's things as simple as if you're expecting a student to learn from home, where is that student actually learning? Does she have a place? Is it a, a kitchen table? Is it a desk in a, in a quiet room? What does that look like? What are, again, setting some expectations for families around supporting their students if they're trying to learn from home? Yeah, I find it really interesting working with a variety of organizations that they often don't think about the idea of making sure that the parents understand what's going to be happening. And especially if the way that things are going to be happening education-wise are very different than the way that they experienced school, I think that is really critical piece to really keep in mind when you're thinking about these implementations. And like you said, that clear communication, that thoughtful communication around what this is going to look like so that people are prepared for what is going to happen. That's exactly right. There's such a, a level of needing to understand what those expectations are ahead of time and having communicated that with parents. We're talking about things like, is a student expected to be online and communicating with one or more teachers at 8 a.m., for instance? Is the student expected to be interacting with online course materials throughout the day and checking in with one or more teachers throughout the day? Is it okay if the student isn't online at all, but maybe working with paper and pencil throughout the day? Again, as I referenced earlier, there may be some state regulations around these sorts of things because ultimately a lot of what's driving e-learning days as a policy is the question of what does the district have to do to be able to count this as a day of instruction and a day of attendance? And then in turn, the district has to be very clear about what those expectations are. They can be very wide-ranging. They can be very different. As we think about online courses, online schools in general, and outside the realm of e-learning days, we think about the flexibility that students have to work at their own time and their own pace. And so there's this really underlying fundamental question of, is this true of e-learning days as well? Or is a student expected at the other extreme to be on a device from eight to two and interacting with a teacher during those times. Exactly. I think too, going back to one of the things that you mentioned before with regard to working with students with special needs, I think it's important to the district and the schools and all of the support staff to understand what is needed for students with special needs when it comes to e-learning days? Does it look differently from the supports that they have in school? And if so, what are those things? And making sure that they're providing those things in order for that student to participate as well. This is probably the single trickiest issue that we uncovered uh, as we were talking with a variety of different people at education agencies and at districts. The Indiana Department of Education has published an e-learning day program guidance for students with disabilities, and, and that's a good starting point. We spoke with a superintendent in another state that has e-learning day policies that allows districts to implement e-learning days. This particular superintendent told me that she is not 
implementing these days in her district because she does not believe they can be done well for all students with special needs. And it's a really challenging issue. And honestly, I don't know where I am on this because certainly when we think about online courses and online schools, I think we can imagine a set of students for whom online courses and online schools are not appropriate for a variety of reasons. And so the question is, as you're trying to implement an e-learning day across an entire district, can you implement that in a way that reaches all students? If you can't implement it in a way that reaches all students, what issues of access and equity are you raising? At the same time, if you've got a solution that is useful for the large majority of students, are there ways to perhaps put some extra resources into those students with special needs so you reach that 100%? I don't know that anybody's really figured this out. I, I have yet to see an information source that, to me, answers all those questions. And I think it's one of these areas that's just going to evolve in the coming years as we see more districts implementing e-learning days. I also wonder, too, if some of the districts who are kind of struggling with this point could potentially learn from those digital learning programs, whether it be blended or fully online, have already implemented and how they've implemented something like this that is their daily approach, because obviously they're doing it more online and it's not just a, a single instance of an e-learning day, that's how they exist, that's how they operate. And I wonder if there could be some cross-pollination and information gathering and informing happening there in that cross-section. I think that's absolutely the case because I do think that there's online schools and courses that have solved a lot of issues related to working with students with special needs. And in fact, there's a lot of accommodations for students with special needs, like having additional time or additional resources, that online learning serves really, really well, just inherently. At the same time, there are undoubtedly students who may have multiple disabilities. They may be at a very basic level of learning such that the idea of interacting with them through, let's say, a learning management system in itself is a challenging concept. And that's where, to me, I'm not aware of anybody that's really figured this out yet. I agree with you there. Any final thoughts that you want to share that you haven't shared already about the e-learning days report? I have a couple. First of all, the report is available at the Digital Learning Collaborative website, which is digitallearningcollab.com. There's a lot of links in the report to these different states, to these different resources, far more than we could talk about here, and in fact, far more that's in the report directly. So I'd encourage any readers to follow the links to the resources. Secondly, I, I do think that this is an ongoing, evolving issue that people are figuring out right now. And there's going to be a lot of emerging policy and practice in the coming years. Finally, we're having a session on the challenges and promising practices of e-learning days at the upcoming Digital Learning Annual Conference, which will be February 24th to 26th in Austin. We've got folks from 
Indiana, the Minnesota Department of Education, the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction, who will be sharing what they're doing as they address some of these issues. I I do think that it's going to be a very popular program. It's really interesting as well because this is such an issue for mainstream schools and districts. And in at least some of these cases, we're seeing it as an entry point for districts into online learning truly happening in a district. So I think it's a a great starting point. I think it's going to be a great discussion in Austin. That sounds great, John. I can't wait to hear about it. And I am greatly appreciative of your time and look forward to having you back soon to talk more about what the Digital Learning Collaborative is up to. Sounds great. Thanks, Catherine. From all of us at the Digital Learning Collaborative and Evergreen Education Group, thank you so much for listening. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter at the DLCEDU and at the DLC's Digital Learning Annual Conference. Learn more about the DLC at digitallearningcollab.com. We'll be back soon with another episode of Conversations in Digital Learning. Enjoy your day.